Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Oi, special shout out to um, Hudson, who surprised me and wore the Vote for Troy shirt tonight. <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, like, I think for local council and got about 16,000 votes and had a lot of fun, actually, but um, yeah, that's a reminiscent from that, that we, um, we dug out when we had to move out of our house because they were all stored away. So, good on you, Hudson. That's funny. It's hilarious. Okay. So, <laughs> thanks, man. Thanks. So, <laughs> So you can have a seat, guys. Grab a seat. And hey, God help. God help me. You're awesome. Thank you. All right. Just to start off with, <laughs> I, need, I need it. Trust me. But um, hey, guys, what I'm going to talk to you a little bit about tonight is um, my sermon is, Is God in Trouble? All right. So, um, and it's kind of like a little bit of a, um, a, little bit of a play, on, play on words because I'm going to talk a little bit about, um, you know, where is God in trouble or where is God in our brokenness? Where is God in our... Um, our issues and our problems, that kind of thing. But I wanted to start off with, which, um, which is looking at a general perspective that society has, and that's that, um, you know, that God's the cause of trouble. And that sometimes, even for us, I've, and I put my hand up in, in my, in my not-so-recent history, but in different times of my life, I've stood in that place as judge over God, and God, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, from a position like, you know, like I'm an ant, and God's like, a giant, you know, and I'm like, what are you doing to him? And he's just going, well, you know, like, more like, what are you doing? But we work that out as we go, you know, because we cause the problems. And then we're like, God, what are you doing? You put me in this crazy situation. And God's like, well, have you thought that through? Because when I looked at this situation, you actually ran into like trouble and then blame me for it. And then when I woke up to myself months later with, you know, the counsel of God, um, I looked back and went, oh, wow, I actually did that. And God's like, yeah, that's funny, that. Um, so, but, you know, like, I wanted to start from that perspective, kind of a bit of a play on words, but, you know, is God in trouble? Is he in control? Do you know what I mean? Because a lot of times in the secular world would come from a viewpoint that he's not. Most of them would be, like, looking at, you know, the things that have happened in the church and some of the crazy stuff that's gone on with the Catholic church, and they'd be like, man, God's this is out of control. God has no control. God's like, you know, the world's in a whole bunch of trouble and God's nowhere to be found. You know, that would be their perspective. And I want to kind of talk a little bit about that concept and, um, and challenge people's perspective about where God is in trouble and who He is in times of trouble. And I'm going to do that from three different perspectives. So the first perspective is God in the whole world. And I sort of spoke a little bit about this already. And I've, I've written some stuff down. I'm going to read it because I took a lot of time to think this through. It says... Um, as we've already touched on, a lot of people, especially the media, like the mainstream media and that, um, would suggest that the whole world is in loads of trouble, like that ev- there's craziness and trouble everywhere, it's very negative, and that, you know, that the whole system is just out of control and that the world's all going to hell very, very quickly and that the world's going to ex- implode, explode, we're going to flood, we're going to flood, it's going to go crazy, right? That's what we're hearing consistently. Um, and, you know, like, they feel happy to accuse God of that, you know, so the, the, the media and, you know, it's like, it's like an undertone in society that's kind of placing judgment on God and, and, you know, saying, you know what, God, you don't know what you're doing. And, you know what, you know, I, I've come to a perception and a lot of it, a little bit was with Shane Willard come recently, but truthfully, I've realized that 90% of the world are really good people. You know, I mean, like, realistically, even, and even the bad people that I would say are bad are only doing bad things because they have their own trouble. Do you know what I mean? So it's like the world's just really full of really good people, some broken people and some troubled people, but just really good people who are trying to make their way in the world. 
but we have this whole system going on that, um, you know, is trying to tell us something different, you know, and I wanted to shift some people's perspective on that, is that, you know, God's at work, man. We live in, again, like Shane said, we live in one of the most prosperous and peaceful times in history ever. We have so much blessing, particularly in the Western world, we have so much that we take for granted. And I was wanted to sort of flip that on its head. And, you know, I learned some of this really positive stuff from some of the Shane Willard teaching that he did, but also through, most of you guys would know I do couch surfing, where I invite randoms to come and sleep in my house. And, you know, like, we just love on them and bless them. And, and um, John and uh, John Briley and Joe, we had a great time hanging out with all these different guys. We had some Italians stay for three months and like got really impacted by God and by gen- the generosity that we showed them. But I realized that in that process of doing those things, I was always thinking, oh, someone's going to steal something from me eventually, you know, but, you know what I mean, like, but no one actually ever did, like from couch surfing, someone actually did, but it wasn't couch surfing. Um, <laughs> we won't go into that. Um, <laughs> trouble comes, you know, but, you know, I, I thought to myself, like, my perspective was that eventually, you know, like, I think I've had about 100 encounters or something through couch surfing, I thought eventually someone's going to do the wrong thing by me. Surprisingly enough, no one really did. Wow. There was a couple of odd people that, you know, I mean, I probably wouldn't want to come back into my house, but, like, they were still really lovely, do you know what I mean? And, like, it was this crazy thing, and I started, started to shift my mentality that, you know, the world is full of these great people. And if we, um, you know, if we look at trouble or whatever else, we probably get afraid and we don't move into what God has for us. But if we look at the world from a different perspective, then all of a sudden we see the, like our eyes open to just the beauty of creation and who God's made us to be. The other thing I wanted to talk about quickly before I get into this is it's called the 15 and 1 principle. And they've done studies on the human brain. And this is like some of the stuff I got from my work and some other places. But they say that when you have a traumatic experience, it like solidifies in your brain. And it's basically because, you know, like in the past, they say, you know, we we're cavemen or whatever. And, you know, they were like there's fierce animals and things. So whenever there's a traumatic experience for our survival, it would become a massive marker in our mind to make sure we never did that again. Yeah. So and then but on the contrary, like if you want to have something solidify and concrete in mind from the positive side, it takes like 15 times. So even in our um, genetic makeup and the way our minds work, it tends to lean towards the negative. Does does everyone make sense? It tends to lean towards trouble. So if you have one bad thing happen, you're going to be like, whoa, marker, like your brain automatically does this. And it's like, okay, like this is crazy. Like if you fail one time, you know, if something traumatic happens, you've marked that. But then it takes 15 positives to like like take down that one bad thing, you know what I mean? So is everyone following what I'm saying with that? So I'm just trying to get people to think about like the way that we think and the way we respond, some of those kind of concepts through that. So, you know, and trying to swing our minds to more of a positive place. That's just a small part of it, but yeah, we're getting more into it. But um, yeah, so, um, so what would you say to this? So, you know, we've talked about the world. Everyone's like, everyone thinks it's gone crazy. The world, and, you know, to be honest, even though I'm saying all these positive things, there is lots of trouble in the world. You know, this message came about from my own um, journey with different people who are having lots of trouble in their life. You know what I mean? And, you know, even some, own, some trouble in my own life. You know, things happen. And, do you know what I mean? I'm just like, man, like, you know, and I wanted to share some of the perspectives that I've learned and some of the deep things I've drawn out of, um, the troubles that I've seen and faced, yeah? So, um, and this, uh, with, the, with the us in the world, I just wanted to have a quick talk about some scriptures that, that I've looked into and done research on that, but what, what does the Bible say? What would you say to this? Or what would be your reason, um, your, your response to someone from a secular perspective who came at you with some of these challenges about God and who, who God is? And how would you answer 
You know, like, so if someone come to you tomorrow and said, you know what, like, this is out of control. God doesn't know what he's doing, whatever else. What would you say? You know, what would be your response? And I've got, I've just got a couple of scriptures here. And the first one is John 16, verse 33. It says, I've told you these things so that you may um, have perfect peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation and distress, suffering. But be courageous and confident, undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. My quest is accomplished, my victory abiding. So, you know, there's trouble in the world. We know that. And what Jesus says is he's like, you know what? I've already overcome it. You guys have victory. You guys, you know, like it's, it's complete too. He's like, my victory is abiding. Like it's, it lives within us. Like, you know, it, the victory that we have in Christ is abiding. And I'm going to quickly digress to last week. Um, you know, your sermon, Peter, I loved last Sunday morning. It was very impacting for me personally. But when Pete said that, that God made the guys shut up and just sit underneath the glory of God for seven, six days or seven days and then they shouted, you know, God was just speaking to me so clearly, just going, how many of us actually listen, because it takes 15 times, remember, for the positive, how many of us sit underneath the glory of God long enough to hear what He's having to say about our situations, so that when we come into environments and different things where there's trouble, that we can speak what God's speaking? Because that takes time. It doesn't come like that quickly. That was a great word, Pete. And even this morning was great. I'm like, Pete's like my new hero right now. He's like, he's bringing some good words. Bit nervous, like, following that this morning, Pete. Thanks for that. But um, yeah, the second scripture I had was Romans um, 12, 21. It says this, Do not be overcome and conquered by evil, but overcome evil with good. So, you know, what I see God saying to us is He's saying like, yep, there's going to be trouble. There is trouble. And, and in the world, we know this. Um, you know, it's going to happen. You're going to have trouble. But God's view is that He's like, I've already won. I've already got the victory for you. I've already given you every possibility to walk in victory. He's like, all you've got to do is walk in it. You know, like, overcome. Like, when there's trouble, just go for it. And I've got an example here. Is Daniel in the lion's den. You know what I mean? Like, there, Daniel was like a righteous dude. He was like going gangbusters. He was doing all the right things. He was told he wasn't allowed to pray. He prayed anyway because he's a gangster. And then, and then he gets thrown into a lion's den and God supernaturally protects him. You know what I mean? And like... If that's not overcoming in trouble, you know, I don't know what is, you know, and the king pulls him out and then tells everyone to worship God because he's such a gangster and, you know, he, showed, he demonstrated the power of God. Even Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego is the same thing. Massive trouble, you know what I mean? Like they're going to get thrown in the den and whatever, not in the den, in the fire pit, in the furnace, get thrown in and Jesus just rocks up and is walking with them. Hey, what's up? You know, that would be pretty, that would be pretty cool. But all of that happened because they chose to stand up, you know what I mean? They chose to... To, to confront trouble and, um, and go with it, yeah? Everyone follow me? All right, so keep going. Okay, uh, my, next one, my next scripture, and it, see, it leads into the next this, uh, John 14, 16. And I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, to be with you forever. You know, so, you know, there's going to be trouble. We know that. We express that, and it's not as bad as what we think it is actually, because God's so good in the world. But you know, with the media, with everything, it is, it does exist, and it's there, and it's around us everywhere. But God's like, well, I've given you the Holy Spirit anyway, and if you sit underneath the Holy Spirit, you sit underneath the glory of God, and you listen to what God's saying, you're going to have what it takes to meet anything that comes your way. And this, this is a, this is the segue into my um, my second uh, perspective on trouble, and that's that. What's our response to trouble? that's a bit closer to home than just the whole world. 
So what's our response to trouble with our best friend or with like maybe a partner or with, you know, like someone that we work with, like someone who's in a working relationship? Like what's, you know, what's, what's God say about that? You know, and I've, I've written some stuff down here. So I said, I said, hopefully you are surrounded by people who don't have large amounts of trouble in their life. Know? And I've got some pretty good friends and, you know, there's always small things, but it's pretty cool. We've got some really great people around this church. I, I love it. It's amazing. And it's so cool. Like, I was even thinking before I got up here that, you know, like, it's such a cool church to preach to. Yeah. Like, there's, there's so much love. Do you know what I mean? Like, even if I completely balls it up and made a massive mistake today, like, most people would just be like, hey, Troy, you killed it and just loved on you. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> does it make sense? Like, you guys rock. Yeah, so high fives to you all, right? Um, so, you know, and hopefully you have good people in your life. Um, but if you're anything like me, you probably have some percentage of your life, and mine's mostly my job, that you have people that have a large amount of trouble in their lives. You know, there's going to be, and I think God allows them to come into us to shape us and to help us, you know, like develop his character and his nature of compassion towards those people, which Pete preached on this morning as well. Um, and like I said, my work is very interesting. Um, you know, um, I do some volunteer work with the Transformation guys, and that's like a walk in the park to what, to compared to what I do for my job. Some of the kids that I work with um, are, you know, in criminally minded and have very, very bad and poor attitudes. And lucky enough, most of them like me, so it's not as complicated as it could be. But if they didn't like you, and I know Shane works in a similar industry sometimes, it can be crazy town, you know, like, so there's a high, very high level of brokenness. And, uh, you know, you, I think you need to have a gift to work in that sort of environment or you need to be, like, really close to Jesus because it can, it can, really, um, it can really throw you. So and I wanted to suggest to you guys, I want you to think about, like, how do you respond and how do you think, um, you know, God would want, you know, what does the Bible tell us to, to respond to others in trouble and what, a believe, what is a believer's response in a time of trouble for people that are in close proximity to them. And my, um, my, my scripture for this one is Proverbs 17, 17. And it says this, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. You know? So, and I mean, that's pretty simple, right? It's pretty self-explanatory. It says, a, a friend, sorry, a, a friend loves at all times, and that's why if you have people in your life that's close and they go through a season of trouble... Um, you know, what they need is love and, you know, usually no judgment. Um, you know, and a brother is born for adversity. So you, when, you, when you have someone in your life and you adopt a brother or you have a for real brother and you go through a hard time, they're going to stand with you and carry you through that time. And Jesus is a perfect example of that. And just to discuss it, I'm not going to go to the scriptures, but Job is a perfect example of that, of what you don't do as a friend um, in a time of trouble. Job's friends all tried to work out, you know, and they, I think they had good motives. They all tried to work out for Job what he'd done wrong, what mistake he'd made, or something that he'd done to cause trouble to come upon him. And the scripture tells us that the devil actually asked God if he could actually try and turn Job away. So Job had done nothing wrong, really. Um, and there's, I've heard some conjecture, which is amazing, but that God allowed the devil to do it to actually help Job because Job was afraid. He had deep down in his soul, he had fear. And that's why he was so careful, he was so careful to follow all the laws because he didn't want to get anything to go wrong and he was always afraid of something calamitous happened to him. Like that's why he did all the offerings and, and was walked so, so purely before God. So God allowed the devil to do it, not because he was letting the devil have a favour, because he wanted to get Job free from fear. That's anyway, that's another whole story. But like I was, when I was worshipping, I felt God, because I'd heard that before and I, wanted, I felt God said to bring that up. 
You know, so even if sometimes God allows you to go through something that's heavy or troublesome or traumatic, usually he has something for you in that anyway, and he'll bring something beautiful out of that. So, and there's biblical examples of, um, of love in trouble. And I think one of the most beautiful ones for me is I love David and Jonathan. Who loves them, those guys, you know? It says that um, Jonathan and David loved each other like greater than the love a man has for a woman. So they were so, they just loved each other with such a pure love that they were inseparable friends, you know? And, it, and at part of this story, it's in, you, can look, you can read this yourself if you want to, but it's in Samuel 20. It says that um, Saul tried to kill David and David runs away and hides. And then um, Jonathan and David meet up and they're like, look, man, you're like my best friend ever. <laughs> you know, pretty much, I'm going to, you know, paraphrase this, but Jonathan David like, we're best friends ever. We love each other. We're going to make a covenant. We're going to make an agreement. Like, no matter what happens with dad, like, you know, Jonathan's saying, whatever happens with my dad, and Dave's like, whatever happens with your dad, like, we're straight. Like, we're tight for life. We're making a covenant. Like, if you get, things go good for you, then you look after my family, vice versa. All that happens. And then Jonathan's like, look, man, I think my dad's got it in for you, so I'm going to, like, find out what's going on, and I'm going to let you know, and to keep you safe. You know what I mean? He's like, you hide out. I'm going to go find out what's going on and I'm going to come out and I'm going to shoot some arrows and there's a whole story around it. You can read it and I'm going to let you know what's happening. And it says that even when that happened, David protected, um, Jonathan protected David with his own life. He said he would, would have given his life for him. When he went to tell David, David just fell and they wept and it was, it's a beautiful thing. But it's a good story, but that's, um, that's kind of the picture of what I see is what God is saying to us. Like our response should be, you know, when we have a friend in trouble, you know, like what length would we go to to get that friend from where they're in a time of trouble to a place of freedom and victory? What, what kind of love or what kind of sacrifice would we do to get our friends from where they are to where they need to be? Yeah, everyone follow me there? Okay, cool, cool. All right, so the third perspective that I want to talk about and probably the one that closest to home is personal trouble. You know, um, and this, this kind of thing has many forms, and I'm sure if we ask every person individually, there could be a different answer for each person. So, you know, I mean, if I went and asked, like, Pete or, you know, like, I don't know, Stacy or anybody in this room, John, um, Dave, you know, they'd probably, if we talked about their personal trouble, which I'm not going to do because it's usually pretty private, but um, if we ask people about that, they would all have a different response. You know, and for you, even thinking about it now, because I know when you mention this, people already start um, churning away in their mind. Like, what, what comes up for you? What is that for you? And there may be multiple things, and there may be deep heart issues that come up um, with that one. But, you know, let's check out and see what the Scripture says um, and about trouble and about what that, kind of trouble, what that kind of trouble is. And the Scripture I have for this one is Psalm 61, verses 1 to 3. And it says this, Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you. Where my heart is overwhelmed and weak. Sorry, when my heart is overwhelmed and weak, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, a rock that is too high to reach without your help. For you have been a shelter and a refuge for me, a strong tower against the enemy. You know, and there's another scripture that I wanted, I didn't add in here, but I want to just tap on. And that's this that, and I wanted to, a, a whole way of thinking that I wanted to tap into, and this is from my personal um, journey, is that, you know, a lot of times when we um, 
have brokenness or when we come into a season of challenge or deep pain, our natural tendency is to alienate, particularly for guys. Okay, so, you know, everyone heard of, heard of the man cave or a man going into his cave? Like, so whenever a man's feeling stressed or uncomfortable, he's going to try and retreat and work things out in his own heart and mind, you know? And I think people in general, when they feel hurt or when they feel pain or conflict come to them, they're going to try and step away and create space for themselves to keep themselves safe. But, um, you know, what I really wanted to suggest is with God is what it says in that scripture there is like, you know, God, help me come to you as my shelter. So instead of trying to get away and figure it all ourselves, I kind of picture like, um, like God just going, hey, like, come, like, why are you trying to hide from me? I know about it anyway. Why are you, why are you, um, and it, again, this becomes very difficult if you're blaming God for the trouble. Do you know what I'm saying? So if you're standing as a judge and going, God, why? You're not going to be running to that same person going, hey, help me, because you're already, you're accusing. And trust me, if you're accusing, you're probably wrong. <laughs> I, wrote, <laughs> I wrote it somewhere in my thing, but it's like, if you are standing in that place of judgment towards God and you're going, God, you know what? I don't understand and I'm blaming you and you're having that accusation. And even if it's really deep inside of you, I'm telling you, in my personal journey, you know what I mean? Every time I've done that, I've ended up wearing egg on my face when God gently and lovingly um, brings me full circle and goes, well, let's talk about this. Let's reason. And he starts going, well, you know, what led up to this? And, and, you know, what happened? And what did you do? And what was, you know, and then I talk it through and then I'm like, oh, that was me. (laughs) And God's like, hmm, yeah, it was you. And then I'm like, I'm so sorry. And he's like, I know. (laughs) Just being honest. Do you know what I mean? It's happened to me um, a number of times, actually. You know, so, uh, you know, with that whole, yeah, with that whole situation and circumstance, I want to encourage you guys to, like, when trouble comes, don't distance yourself from God. Don't accuse God. Run to God. And the scripture I want to say to that, I didn't put in the notes, whatever else, was, is this, is that it says that God is closest to the brokenhearted. You know, so God's not sitting there when we're broken and we're like struggling and we feel terrible. Don't get me wrong, we feel horrible, we feel totally unworthy, we feel totally broken, and that all that stuff is going on. Like we want to hide from God, but God's like, that's that's what I'm here for. Like He's just sitting there going, This is what I can this is what I died for. I died for your brokenness. And as a matter of fact, I'm attracted to it. You know, God is attracted to humility. When you actually go, you know what, I'm really broken, and you just humble yourself and go, God, I need you. He's just like, yes, finally. That's exactly where I want you to be. That's exactly what I want from you. So, yeah. So, um, uh, there's, I've got a final thought here, and then I've got some questions. And this is my final thought for you guys. It says this. Be kind. Because this is just in general, right? Be kind. Because you don't know what has happened to someone or what someone is struggling with. So as you travel through your everyday life, like the trouble is going to be there. You know what I mean? And you know, like coming from where I've come from and, and had the, having the life that I've had, there's been lots of troubles. There's been lots of different things that have gone on in my life. It's this, this crazy town. You know what I mean? And by the grace of God, I'm still here and I'm still in love with Jesus and I still just like try and do my best to help and love other people and do what God's called me to do. Still doing that. It's awesome. Highly recommend it, right? But, you know, we can do so much more if we just be kind to everybody. 
especially the people who we least think need us to be kind to them. Yeah, does it make sense? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish with a couple of questions for, um, for you guys. Um, and I want you to really think about this, because this is a Shane Willard thing as well, but um, this will do nothing for you if you don't process and think about it. And I really believe that God wants to tear down some, some processes in people's minds where they are like judging God or they're angry at God because they don't understand. Trust me, God's good. And just like, trust me on that and lean into that and run to God and not away from him and he'll sort it out. You know what I mean? Um, and our tendency to sort of move away from ourselves or from God or others in brokenness is not a Christian philosophy. You know what I mean? God is attracted to brokenness. And if we are truly believers and followers of Christ, we are going to not run towards everyone who's broken, but we're going to allow ourselves, particularly with close friends and people who we see are journeying through brokenness, we're going to be attracted to that because we're going to be able to see the glory of God come into those situations and make a difference for the rest of their whole life. Does it make sense? Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you guys with some questions and then, um, yeah, I, I might, if I can get the worship team to come back up, we might have just a time of worship and time of response for people. So my first question is this, and I'm going to say them slowly so you can really ponder them. How will you respond to the trouble around you? I've already asked this question, I'm going to ask it again. So speaking globally, speaking about the big picture, how will you respond after hearing these challenges to the problems around you? What will be your response to that? My second question, how will you respond to trouble that is in your circle of friends or in your like work environment or, you know, those sort of places that aren't like, like super, super tight, but like they're in that sphere of influence that God's called you to? Like what's going to be your response when people walk past you and you know that they're struggling and hurting or something's happened where they're in trouble? Like what is going to be your response to that? And I think probably the most key one um, for me in this that I really wanted to like put out there to you guys, how will you respond to the trouble within? You know, because um, it's, you know, like so many people, including myself for the long, long periods of time, have carried things privately without sharing them with anybody else that, you know, like whether it's depression, anxiety, you know what I mean? Like mental struggles. Like so many people carry things and struggle with levels of brokenness and trouble deep in their souls, in their mind realm or in their heart realm, hurt and pain, offense, you know, and they just, they never let it go. Like it takes them years and years to process. But if you can have, if you can first bring it to God and just let Him like shine light into those areas in your heart and life, accountability person or someone who you trust and you know has your best interest heart that just loves you, and you can let God's light shine in there and you can develop some accountability with some of those thought processes, you know what? God is going to just absolutely rock your world and He's going to bring you into a place of freedom, to a place of healing, into a place of just total victory in those, in those places of trouble, you know? So that's pretty much me, guys. Like I'm not a very long-winded preacher, but hopefully I've created like some, um, some deep thought processes because when I was preparing this, I went like, you know, and just was like, God, I really want to, um, shift the way people think about trouble and, and the reasons or the causes and the, and the views on it. So guys, have a think about it. And I'm gonna, I think we'll just do a song or something like that. And then what I want you guys to do is I want you just to think about it. And if you've had some significant trouble or some trauma, or if you're going through a season of trouble, trouble or trauma, I want you guys just to respond to God. You know, we'll, we'll probably do a song and let, leave the altar open. And Pete and some other, me and some other guys might pray with you guys and talk to us if you want to talk it through. And we're just going to see God just break off some of the false mindsets around trouble. 
Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.